Now keep tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly for the next hour. The Martin and Lewis Show have relinquished their time in order that we might bring you the special program which follows. Martin and Lewis will be heard on Friday nights at a future date. Check your local radio column for the exact day and time. The Johnson's Wax 15th Anniversary Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Tonight, in a special full-hour anniversary broadcast written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, Fibber McGee and Molly come back on the air in the United States and Canada to begin their 15th continuous year of broadcasting under the sponsorship of Johnson's Wax. Naturally, at a time like this, the sponsors of this program look back through the years with gratitude to Fibber and Molly for radio's finest family program, and with even greater gratitude to you millions of friendly listeners, because it's your appreciation of Fibber and Molly's wholesome radio entertainment and your confidence in Johnson Wax products that have made the program possible. Fifteen continuous years of broadcasting under the same sponsorship. During the next few weeks, you will see special anniversary displays in the stores of dealers who handle Johnson's Wax products. We hope these displays will remind you that your dealer, too, is responsible for these programs, and that it is his support, as well as your own, which makes it possible for the makers of Johnson's Wax to bring you Fibber McGee and Molly. In the year 1935, a new radio program was born. It was reviewed in Variety, the Bible of show business, in part as follows, and I quote, Bit hard to pass on Fibber McGee's first major radio effort. The script limitations hampered the duo from ever getting underway. Commercial talk was handled by Harlow Wilcox, who killed a few quips due to premature laughs. <laughs> Nary a real out-and-out laugh in the lot, and as it stands, the program demands swifter pacing, punchier lines, and more of Fibber McGee and Molly. Fifteen years. My gosh, it don't seem possible. Fifteen years ago, it didn't even seem probable. <laughs> Boy, the stuff we've done in fifteen years. See, do you remember the show back in 1936 when you were a reporter on the paper and went out to get an interview with the governor's wife? Yeah, I got printer's ink in my blood, kiddo. That's why I have to be so careful shaving. Ruins the towels. <laughs> I never did know what happened to that story, McGee. Didn't I ever tell you what happened about that? Oh, that was a wild goose chase. I couldn't get a story. The governor's wife was gone when I got to the house. Out of town, was she? Yeah, she just left. She ran away with a chauffeur. I see. She ran away with the chauffeur, so you didn't get any story. That's right. It's a waste of time. Well, uh, what did the governor have to say about it? Did you talk to him? How could I talk to him? They shot him before they left. Heavenly days. Well, why didn't you get a story from the neighbors? Didn't they have any statements to make? I'll say they didn't. They wouldn't even come out on account of the lion. The lion? Yeah, the one that got away from the circus. Prowling around the neighborhood. He ate two cooks in the garden before I got there. <laughs> oh, well, that's the break. It takes a natural-born reporter to know when a story is out the window because... Come in. Well, I'll be a uncle's monkey if it ain't his honor the mayor. <laughs> Hi, Latrive. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hello, Molly. Hello, McGee. Latrive, 
As the guy says when he's seen a good windy corner to build his optical shop on, this is a sight for sore eyes. Thank you. You're looking very well yourself, McGee. And you too, Molly. Did you have a pleasant summer? Oh, yes, indeed, thank you. And you? Oh, yes. Yes, I had a very interesting summer. I was an amateur member of a scientific expedition in Colorado. We were searching for dinosaur eggs. Dinosaur eggs, now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why, we've known her for years, and she never laid an egg in her life. Certainly not. She's simply wonderful. I, I don't understand. Who is? Dinah Shore. Well, I, I'm afraid there's a little misconception here. I was referring to a big, ugly, prehistoric monster. Now, just the... a darn minute. <laughs> you talk about friends of ours, just keep a civil tongue between your teeth. Yes, Dinah Shore is not big or ugly or prehistoric. I, I, I didn't I... say anything about Dinah Shore. I said dinosaur. It isn't sore, Richard. It's Shore. <laughs> As in Shore Patrol. And in her case, there'd be a lot of volunteers. Now, go on, Lafayette. Yes, do, Mr. Mayor. Let's give him a chance now, McGee. Okay, we won't interrupt again unless it's necessary, boy. No. So you go right ahead. You bet. Dull as it is, we want to hear about it. Absolutely. Now? Sure. The expedition had heard rumors from wandering cowboys and Indians that dinosaur tracks had been discovered in a certain remote canyon in northern Colorado. You could have so discounted we... them rumors right off the bat. Right? That kid don't have to hide up any remote canyon. <laughs> Even to try out a new hillbilly number, she don't. Oh, please. Now, look. I admit that Dinosaur is lovely and a fine girl and an excellent singer. I'm not talking about her. Is that understood? No, it isn't. Why don't you want to talk about her? You got something against her? You tone deaf or something? We've always considered you one of the greatest gentlemen we know, Mr. Mayor. Yeah. So when you refer to Dinah Shore as an ugly monster and state that she's a million years old and has to hide in the gully to rehearse her number... Yes, and accuse her. Accuse her of laying eggs all over Colorado. Right? I didn't say she was a muggly egg, sir. Well, you said... I mean, I never said anything about Dinah Canyon hiding a hillbilly in the... Because I said I was hoping to look for Dinah Flatshorn, you got sore when I... I mean, sore when I... Just become an ugly monster like... I mean, like China Dog. I didn't know what I... You were the one... It was... A, you were... You were the one... on the air for Johnson's Wax for 15 years. Perfectly true, Your Honor. You've been hearing us all that time, kid? No. Frankly, I couldn't stand you so long. <laughs> you couldn't stand him, what? So long. Oh, I beg your pardon, young lady. I didn't know you were there. Oh, that's all right. Is this the McGee residence? Yes, madam, but mark my words. You won't like it. Well, heavenly days, McGee. Look who it is. Dinah Shore. Hi, Dinah. We were just talking about you to Mayor Latrivia. Oh, was that Mayor Latrivia I met going out? That was himself, all right, Dinah. And a very nice man, too. I, I thought he seemed a little annoyed about something. 
But I just dropped in to congratulate you on the last 15 years and wish you good luck for the next 15. Well, thanks, Dinah. And in honor of you dropping in on our honor, I'm going to leave the band in a special arrangement I wrote personally tonight. It's called Kiss Me Again. Oh, uh, no, going... no, McGee, now, please. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's ask Dinah to sing instead. Would you please, Dinah? Oh, I'd love to, Molly. I've had a nice rest this summer, and I just couldn't wait to get back to work for Oxidol. Where'd you spend the summer, Dinah? Out in Colorado. <laughs> It was a lot of fun taking my music up into some remote canyon and <laughs> practicing some hillbilly numbers. Though, confidentially, I really laid an egg with a couple of them. <laughs> um, what's the matter? Did I say something? Oh, no, no, you're all right, kid. <laughs> it just happens that we owe the trivia an apology. <laughs> do, dearie. Well, go ahead. Sing something, won't you please, Dinah? I'm as corny as Kansas in August. I'm as normal as blueberry pie. No more smart little girl with no heart. I have found me a wonderful guy. I am in a conventional dither with a conventional star in my eye. And you will note there's a lump in my throat when I speak of my wonderful guy. I'm as sad and as gay as the daisy and may a cliche coming true. I'm romantic and bright as a moon, happy night pouring light on the dew. I'm as corny as Kansas in August, high as a flag on the 4th of July. If you'll excuse an expression I use, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love with a wonderful girl. That's how I turned out to be the happy young woman you see I'm as corny as Kansas in August high as a flag on the 4th of July if you'll excuse an expression I use I'm in love I'm in love I'm in love I'm in the Elks Club throws a smoker, I'm going to see if she'll bat out a few numbers for us. Company, McGee. Come in. For goodness sakes, McGee, look who's here. Huh? Oh, hi, bud. Something you want? Hello, Fibber. I'm young. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, we were young once, too, bud, but... You spend 15 years on the air and you'll get over that, boy. No, McGee, it's Robert Young, the actor. Oh, my gosh, Robert yeah. Young, him. Bob, old boy, I'm glad to see you. This is my wife, Molly. 
Molly, this is Robert Young. How do you do? I'm sure. Hello, Molly. I came over to congratulate you two on your anniversary. Fifteen years. Just think of it. Do we have to? Oh, I think it's wonderful. You know, I've just started with my own show on NBC uh, for Maxwell House Coffee. Oh, yes, we hear you every Thursday. Father knows best. Lots of luck with it, Mr. Young. Thank you, Molly. My, I certainly envy you two having the same show on the same network for 15 years. Well, it does have its compensations, all right. You know, starting today, NBC lets us use the regular employee's washroom. <laughs> Yes, it was a little unhandy going across the street to the filling station to wash our hands. Well, I... I know I have something to look forward to, all right. <laughs> Say, I want you two to know that I heard your very first show, April 16th, 1935. My goodness, McGee, he remembers the exact date. Yes, that was the day I bought my first radio, and yours was the first program I heard. Great. You loved it, of course. Yes, it was a beautiful set. <laughs> Remember when you got your house, too, 79 Whistle Vista. You won it in a raffle on August 26, 1935. My God. How do you remember that date so well? Well, it was right after that show that I sold my radio. <laughs> oh, I'd almost forgot that show. Remember, Molly? Oh, indeed I do. They called the lucky number on the house. I shouted, McGee, we won. You fainted, and the orchestra played zing, went the strings of my heart. That's the way it went, all right. It was pretty easy to solve your housing problems in those days, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was pretty easy to finish a radio show, too. If you didn't have a joke to finish with, just throw in a groan, a body fall, and a band number. <laughs> That's right. And you know something? There are times even now, long toward the end of certain programs, where I begin to feel a little like falling down. Well, I can believe it, Sibber. <laughs> but after 15 years, brother, you've certainly earned your smelling salts. Lots of luck with the next 15. Good night to both of you. Good night, brother. Imagine Robert Young coming to see us. Man. Yeah. Well, it pays a guy like Bob to keep in touch with influential friends like me, kiddo. <laughs> hey, I wonder if this would be a good time to run over that Kiss Me Again number that I arranged. No, for now, wait, because... McGee. There's somebody coming up the walk. Who is it? Search me. The girl looks familiar, but the man. Do we know a tall, dark man with curly hair and a bold look? I don't know. Has he got a deep freeze under his arm? It might be our cover. <laughs> Or maybe it might... Not easy, dearie. Here they are. Oh. Come in. Hey. Hey. It's Alice Fay. Hi, Alice. Hello, Alice. Hello, Molly. Hello, Fibber. I'm Harris. Oh, hi, Harris. We don't need any tweets today, so you better... I'm go. Phil Harris. Oh. Why, of course. You're married to Miss Faye. You're on her radio show Sunday night. So you start again next Sunday, don't you? Now you've struck a nerve, Doc. <laughs> Bill Harris, the Sunday night flash. It may not be Hamlet, but it keeps him off the streets. <laughs> oh, Harris, that layoff did wonders for you. Let me talk a while. 
Not Mary Livingston no. for 13 no. years. Now I got you. <laughs> Me. All right, come on in. Come on. Well, gee whiz, I can't help it if my voice is full of residents. <laughs> Molly, we just stopped by to give you our best wishes on your 15th anniversary. And that's a long time on anybody's program. It's a longer time to be off a program. <laughs> Anything personal in that remark, short stuff? <laughs> what do you think? I don't think there is. <laughs> I've been gainfully employed right along. Gainfully employed, that means I've been working regular. They know what it means, Phil. Say, uh, Alice, won't you sign our guest book while you're here? Oh, I'd be glad. Now, wait a minute, Alice. Just hold it a minute now. You promised me you'd sign nothing until I looked it over. But, Phil, it takes you so long to read things. This is just a guest book, Phil. See? Look. Well, hand it here a minute. Uh-huh. I thought so. What's this word here? Book. <laughs> and the other word is guest. Well, all right, all right. Go ahead, sign it, Alice, but leave a lot of room for me. I print big. Here's a pen, Alice. Thank you, Molly. So you kids been in the killer circles for 15 anims, huh? <laughs> be one of these years. You know, Rexall is pretty happy with us. What makes you say that, Phil? I heard him talking, baby. I heard one of the executives say they better hang on to Harris. He said I was the only drug on the market they wasn't already handling. All these famous stars dropping in to see us. Yeah, and hasn't that Alice Faye beautiful hair? Oh, lovely, but... Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if she touches it up a bit. Yeah? It's a beautiful blonde shade, though. Oh? Hi, kids. Congratulations. Well, my gosh, Perry Como! Sibren, how are you, Molly? Oh, wonderful, Perry. It's so nice to see you again. Yeah, we haven't seen you since you left Whistle Vista around 1937. How are you making out, boy? Still seen? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm still at it. Why, of course he is, McGee. Why, Perry is... Great, boy, you. great. Still with Ted Weems, are you? <laughs> you stick with it, son, and one of these days you'll be in the big time. Making records or even singing on your own show, maybe. Well, thanks a lot, sir. As a matter of fact, I do have a little show on Thursday night tomorrow on NBC, the uh, Chesterfield Supper Club. Oh, well, we'll come over there and eat with you some night. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't stop in to tell you about that, sir, but I just came over to congratulate you both on your very long and happy career. Well, thank you, Perry. And to sing a song. Fibber, this is a bit on the sentimental side, so you mind getting a little closer to Molly and hold her hand? Just make like you were saying this to her yourself, hmm? Okay. Let me be ever near 
What's the idea of busting right in the door, you unmannerly oaf? Why don't you ring the doorbell? Because this is from a 1940 script, Sonny Boy, and that door chime didn't appear in your show till 1941. <laughs> I can't talk to you right now, Julie. I'm fixing a valuable watch. Uh, what's this I hear about you finding a valuable watch? Oh, me? indeed we did at 14th and Oak this morning. A new watch, gift strapped and everything. Yeah. We've been advertising for the owner all day. Show it to him, dearie. See, Julie? Hmm. Crystal's broken. And look, McGee, one of the hands is bent. It is? Which one? The second hand. Second hand from the right or the second hand from the left? <laughs> Just the second hand, you dumbbell. That little tiny hand. Oh, here, let me straighten it out. I've got a steadier hand than you have. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Your hand shakes like a grass skirt at a stag party. <laughs> I'll do this myself. Lend me your Boy Scout knife. I always was a whiz at fixing watches. McGee is part Swiss, Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, he is? Yes. Why don't you use him to bait a mousetrap with? <laughs> Can't you see I'm doing a delicate job here? Wait a minute, McGee. This is no place to do a job like that. Let's take it out on the dining room table so you can keep track of the parts. Good idea. Look, boys, if you're afraid of losing part of the work, why don't you go sit in the bathtub and take it apart? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a silly idea. It is not a silly idea. It is, too. It is not. What do I do with my wife, Gildersleeve? She says to go sit in the bathtub. That's where we'll go sit in. Open the door. All right. This ought to be fun. All right. Yeah, now. now, climb in, Gildy. That's it. You sit in the front, will you? Makes me dizzy to ride backwards. <laughs> all right, boys, all right. Here's the watch. And the boys shout nice. And two hairpins. <laughs> Have fun now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> the works without two weeks' notice. <laughs> you get it, folks? I said... It ain't funny, McGee. I didn't say it. <laughs> you would have if you'd have thought of it first. Now, let's see. I take this thing here and... Whoop! Oh. <laughs> What's this? That's me. All I've done was tie up on the face of it. How? Like this. I just... Whoop! Oh, oh. That's that, that, that. Heavenly days, that beautiful watch. No, I haven't seen so many flying springs since they blew up the mattress factory. <laughs> Isn't this fun, though? Yeah. Quit giggling, Gildersleeve, and get your foot out of my pocket. <laughs> now, let's see. If I unscrew this little... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm certainly glad this isn't my watch, McGee. You know what I'm going to... You know what I've been doing wrong, Gildersleeve? Huh? We've been starting on the wrong side. We ought to took the back off first. Oh, good. Let's try that. I love to see the springs jump out. Yeah. Here, Molly, you hold the back cover, will you? Certainly. I'd get in there with you, boys, but it looks a bit crowded. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heavenly days, Mickey. What's the matter? Look, there's an inscription inside the basket. What? There is? Imagine that. What's the poor staff's name? Listen, the inscription says, Happy New Year from the boys at the factory to our beloved boss, Rockmorton T. Gildersleeve. Oh, <laughs> Mr. William Randolph or Billy Mills of Flint, Michigan, picked up a little stick and started directing the music for these Tuesday nights. Put the blame where you like for these 15 years. Here's one man who'll face whatever music there is. And right now, it's so in love. 
What do you mean, do I think I can? Look, Sal, you can learn quite a bit about selling in 15 years. Yes, you can. But did you? <laughs> well, I think so. Why, when I started on this show, I had no confidence at all. Really, Mr. Wilcox, Heavenly did, and you always seem so confident. No, I was just a bluff, Molly. Why, I used to come out and say something like, we all know how particular a woman can be about her house. That's a fairly safe statement, Junior. That's what I mean, no dynamics. Oh. Gee whiz, anybody can step up to a mic and say, millions of women have tested glow coat in their own homes and have found nothing else that gives them quite the same brilliant results with so little effort as Johnson's glow coat. Yeah, but what I was getting at is... Now, now I have confidence. I've had experience. And I have the knowledge that what I'm saying is the gospel truth. So I walk right out and say in a firm voice, actually, Gloco takes all the hard work out of keeping linoleum and varnished wood floors bright and beautiful. Yeah, but we were just I know that when I say it's self-polishing, spread it on, let it dry, watch it shine, has the ring of truth. The ring of truth, he says. It has the clang of... Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) And and look, most important is the shine you get with the new Gloco. Almost twice as bright now as before, without polishing. Ask for it tomorrow at your dealer's. I see how confident that sounds, Tom. You see how yeah, I waxy. Uh, hey, waxy. Oh, well, I was just explaining what I've learned in 15 years. What have you learned? Not a thing, Mr. Wilcox. Oh, we had. We'd never try to butt in after you once get started. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a caterpillar standing on the track trying to stop the 20th Century Limited with a pedal off a geranium. <laughs> Where are you going, Junior? Uh, over to the mic. I've got an announcement to make. Excuse oh. me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in about 1937, there was a young boy in New York going to Manhattan College. He was a shy, breathless lad. Well, not too breathless. He had enough breath to sing, and he sang very well. In fact, he sang so well that he got a job on a top radio show. He also turned out to be quite a famous comedian with a Saturday night show of his own. This new day of the dawn was named Dennis. Dennis Day, Tom Olive's singing star. And here he is. wonderful of you to come over and see us. Yeah, much obliged, kid. Oh, that's all right, folks. Anyway, it wasn't my idea. NBC suggested I do it or else. <laughs> or else what? Well, they didn't say, but the suggestion was written on a pink slip. <laughs> well, what shall I do? Oh, just say that we've been wonderful for 15 years and you never missed a show we ever did and you certainly wish us many happy more years for Johnson's Wax, something like that. Oh, no jokes? <laughs> We have some jokes for you, Dennis. McGee, show Dennis the joke. Here, kid. Handle them easy. They're dynamite. Oh, boy. Well, congratulations, folks. You've been wonderful for 15 years, and I never missed a show you ever did, and I certainly wish you many more happy years on the air for... For, for whom? Johnson's wax. Yeah, good night. Now... Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Wait a minute. You didn't read the stuff we wrote for you. Well, I wanted to take it with me. I never had any material like this before. Yeah? You know, I have my own show on Saturday night over NBC for Colgate. Yeah? I can use this stuff. This is just what I need. Oh, we're very glad you like it, Dennis. Yeah, yeah on my show, everybody laughs all the time, and you can't hear the lines. Oh. I need stuff like this to quiet everybody down. <laughs> hey, hey. You mean you're not even going to sing? Well, you want me to sing, too? What do you mean, too? Sue, what else have you done? Now, McGee. There's no way to talk to a guest who was nice enough to drop in and wish us well. It wasn't my idea. NBC said... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, kid. How'd you like to sing one of Molly's favorites? I'll take you home again, Kathleen. I'd love that, Dennis. Will you do it? 
sure. And this is because I want to, not because envy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we know. Go ahead, son, and thanks very much. Thank you. I hope you like it, Molly. Your what, Liz? My bird book. 
somebody told me they'd seen a big, billed, blue-breasted Brazilian barn booby out near Dugan's Lake. And as I was walking along, an idea for a poem came to me. A poem, what? Yes, about your 15th anniversary. Would you like to hear it? I can do it from memory. A cappella, as it were. Now, we'd love to hear it, Mr. Wimple. All righty, it goes, <clears throat> here's luck to Mr. and Mrs. McGee for their 15 years on NBC, for their homely philosophy and wholesome cracks about this and that and Johnson's wax. We all enjoy this Tuesday nighter because it makes our homes and lives much brighter. Since 1935, Anno Domini, you've improved your corn till it tastes like harmony. Sweetie Face, she probably feels like my mother did when I was a little kid. She used to look at me and say, I hate to bring this up. But anyhow... It's your turn to say, come in, McGee. I got the last... Okay, kiddo, relax. I'm ready. Come in. Is this the residence of Fibber McGee and Molly? Yes, it is. What can we do for you, bud? Well, my name is Bendix. Not William Bendix. Yes, it is, Bill, old man, nice of you to drop in. I suppose you bring a message of greetings and good cheer on our 15th anniversary. Well, let it just say that I bring a message. What do you mean? What do you mean, Mr. Bendy? Well, look, you're, you're nice folks, and I don't want to get tough, but here's the situation. You've been on the air for 15 years for one sponsor. Yeah, and by increasing his business by 72 million, nine hundred. Ah, McGee. Go on, Mr. Bendy. So you've been happy with one sponsor. You've been happy with just one network. No skipping around. You sit around all week. Saturday, you say, let's do another show next Tuesday. And Tuesday, you do it. And you sit around the rest of the week again. Look, bud, this may all be true, but if so, what of it? What a revolting development this is. (laughs) Look, who's leading the life of Riley, me or you? Well, there's no hard feelings. I was just confused. I only hope I can do it myself for Pat's Blue Ribbon on Friday night. So, congratulations and good luck. Bye. would not be here to extend hearty congratulations to his good friends, Cyril McGee and Molly. But late this afternoon, the Johnson Wax Company met his price. And it is now my pleasure to present the palest part of the pale face, the sorrowful part of Sorrowful Jones, the detour of the road pictures, Bob Hope! Thank you, ushers. Uh, thank you, Harlow. Harlow, don't you love that name? I had a name called one announcement called Wendell one time. Where do you get those names off? Old Pullman cars, huh? <laughs> He's a wonderful guy. Very loyal, though. What other announcer would glow coat his head for 15 years? That's... <laughs> but how do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Still on the Big Network Hope. <laughs> we better stick together. There's only a few of us left, you know. Telling all you listeners, if you're ever tired of using Johnson's wax in your kitchen floor, you'll always find me behind your bathroom door. 
Yes, sir. Swan and Pepsi. And 12 years in radio and still can't make the living room. Up until lately, we've had two kinds of radio, FM and AM. I never knew until tonight that it meant Trevor McGee and Molly. <laughs> Fifteen years is a long time with one sponsor. I only know one other comic who's had the air that long, my cousin Bert, who operates a skirt-blowing machine in the funhouse at Coney Island. <laughs> Twenty-two years of it, never had a slack season. <laughs> I'll be back in the air next Tuesday in spite of my sponsor. I had more trouble getting someone to say yes than Vice President Barkley. Mr. Barkley, the Louise Jordan of the Capitol. You know her. I think he'd be all right, though. I saw him having tea with Dorothy Dix a little while ago. And I'm thinking of going into television as soon as I save enough to pay the plastic surgeon. Just a throwaway. I should have thrown it away outside. You know, Crosby's going on television when they get the wider screen. Uh... Crosby, that's a six-letter word, meaning when the blue of the night turns to gold in his pocket. <laughs> but television is everywhere. Now some cocktail bars have even put in ushers. They ask you how far down you want to go and how high you want to get. <laughs> One bartender yelled out the other night, with a lady in front, please remove the foam off her beer. <laughs> I watched a baseball game on television the other night. Every time the runner would try to steal second, Milton Burrow would beat him to it. to ruin the Lone Ranger. Wait until the kids find out the silver is just two coconut shells in the hands of an ex-Harvard man. <laughs> but we'll pass that bridge when we come to it, as they used to make me say for Pepsi. And seriously, Fibber and Molly, I do congratulate you on your 15 years with Johnson's Wax and NBC. It's nice work if you can get it, and you got it. Thank you, Mr. Hall. Thank you, Robert. Drop around any week, and we'll split a Tuesday with you. Well, give me a couple of days to read the fine print, Fibber, and I'll sign that. Good luck to you both, and may you continue to keep them grinning from year to year. Thank you, Robert. to be a big fat word said right here about four men who joined this program in about the year 1940. They've made a solid name for themselves, both with us and with the work they've done in Walt Disney's wonderful pictures. One of the nation's top singing groups who have further distinguished themselves by presenting a series of fine musical programs this summer for Johnson's Wax during Fibber and Molly's absence. Here they are, America's four most singers, the King's Men. <laughs> Back in 1927, for the bill was in its heaven, everyone was frivolous and gay. At the palace or the folly, you could see McGee and Molly passing out their seven shows a day. Here tonight we'd like to bring some of the songs they used to sing. I'm always chasing rain. Drifting by, my kings are just like all 
Congratulations, Maxie. How long you're married? Oh, 31 years, but this ain't for that. I mean, that ain't what we're celebrating. This is on account of we've been on the air for Johnson's Wax for 15 years. Consecutive. Oh, that's too bad, McGee. Too bad? Well, why is it too bad, Ollie? Well, wasting all those years. I know all about it. Every Tuesday night, we listen to Johnson's Wax on the network. Mm-hmm. For 15 years, every Tuesday night. Yeah. My Christina, she's 14 years old. You was on the air before she was born. She thinks you were a kind of a national institution, like Grand Canyon, Redwood Trees, and Yin Lomi. Well, if you've listened every Tuesday night all these years, you've really accounted for a few hours. Well, that's all right, McGee. I, I have to listen anyway, because my wife listens, and we only got one radio. Oh, I see. So every Tuesday night for a half hour, I know I'm just donating my time. So long, McGee. Good night. <laughs> When the Fibber, McGee, and Molly program was young, say about 1936, a versatile youth named Bill Thompson joined the cast as a sort of utility actor. In his non-professional hours, he is well known as a fighter against juvenile delinquency. Although on the Fibber, McGee, and Molly program, he himself goes under many an alias. He's been variously known as Nick DiPopolis, Horatio K. Boomer, Pravda, Flanagan the Cop, Wallace Wimple, and not the least, but one of the first, as the old-timer. What you been doing? I was just downtown, Johnny, to see Doc Gamble. But he was out on a call. Oh. oh. Are you ill, Mr. Oldtimer? Well, don't feel so good, daughter. I got myself a cold. Well, you better take some medicine for it, Mr. Oldtimer. A cold is not to be sneezed at, you know. 
Associated Drug at Grandma's private remedy for it, daughter. Therapy has been in our family for generations. Handed down from mother to daughter, daughter to daughter, daughter to son, son to uncle, uncle to sister, sister to cousin, cousin to aunt, aunt to nephew, and nephew gave it back to Grandma, who was so sick of hearing about it that the time she tore it up. <laughs> How'd you ever catch a cold in this weather, old-timer? I didn't, Johnny. I caught it last winter. Out of Dugan's Lake. Yeah? Me and Papa chopped a hole in the ice, and I did me a little fishing. Yeah? What'd you fish for? Papa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I gotta run along, kids. I'm gonna see a friend of mine this afternoon. Gonna be his pallbearer. Pallbearer? Oh, heavenly days. What happened? Oh, he was an inventor, daughter. Invented himself a novelty necktie out of rawhide. Yeah. Went out in the rain with it. Son come out later, tried the rawhide, and strangled him. <laughs> we seen him getting red in the face and pointing to the necktie, but we thought he was blushing and asking our opinion of it. <laughs> we just stood there smiling and nodding at him until poor fellow was gone and so am I, so If we can have a few minutes of peace and quiet, I'm going to run the band through my Kiss Me Again arrangement. I better hurry before we get interrupted again. Well, you go ahead, dearie. I'll hold my ears. I mean, I'll hold the door. And you sit right there and relax, Snooky. The boys and I will make musical history with this thing. Are you ready, fellas? Okay. A one and a two and a three
During that time, Johnson's waxes have grown in popularity to the point that today they far outsell any other brand of wax products. The makers of Johnson's waxes look upon your preference for their product as a trust that they deeply appreciate and intend to keep. So you can be sure that every Johnson product today is the finest. The leading manufacturer of waxes and polishes knows how to produce. And you can be sure also that the Johnson's Wax Laboratories will never cease in their efforts to improve these fine products so that you may always find the best wax polishes in the familiar Johnson container with the bright red band. Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a lot of kidding around tonight about our 15 years on NBC for Johnson's Wax, but we're not selling it short. We're pretty proud of it. And we're also very grateful to you millions of listeners out there who have been so faithful to us all these years. And also to the famous radio and picture stars who so generously dropped in on us tonight. Next week, we start our regular series radio shows, but we're retrenching a little. It'll only be a half hour. <laughs> My gosh, Molly, 15 years. You can use a lot of awful jokes in that time. I beg your pardon? I mean, I say you can use up an awful lot of jokes in that time. <laughs> Good night. Good night, all. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Christine, Wisconsin, and Brantford, Canada, and all of us on the program wish to thank all the people who so generously dropped in to congratulate Trevor and Molly on their 15th anniversary. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Rub it on, wipe it off. That's all you do with Car New. Yes, it's that easy to give your car a showroom shine with Johnson's Car New, the wax-fortified car polish that cleans and polishes in one application. Car New cleans as you rub it on. Cuts, grime, and film water won't touch. Car New polishes as you wipe it off. Makes your car shine like new. Ask at your dealers or service station for Johnson's wax-fortified Car New tomorrow and give your car a Sunday shine. Remember, rub it on, wipe it off. That's all you do with Car News.